0: what's happening folks welcome back to another episode of the christian hansen show i'm christian hansen and this is my podcast welcome to it it is episode 39 today's guest comedian andy Haynes, and he's a writer, stand-up, and actor from Seattle, Washington. His stand-up can now be seen on Late at Jimmy Fallon, Conan, Comedy Central presents the half-hour, the Pete Holmes Show, and Comedy Central's Roast Battle. Andy started in Seattle, settled in New York, and that's where he is now. He's also a paid regular at the Comedy Store and at the Comedy Cellar. He uh, also co-hosts a podcast with his wife who is also a comedian herself. The podcast is called Find Your Beach, a podcast that started at the beginning of quarantine by Andy and his wife, Rosebud Baker. Andy's been doing shows lately as well. He's been doing a lot of them. Uh, the vac- the vaccines are getting in people's arms. Uh, you know, Americans are getting back slowly to some sort of normalcy, right? Far from the level that we knew before. Uh, But it's happening, right? Live events are going on. It feels great to experience it in the flesh. And he's been doing, like I said, he's been doing a lot of shows. A lot of the Zoom ones, but those just aren't the same, right? Nothing beats live entertainment, live comedy. Ask any comedian, especially everyone that I've talked to. They all say it. They miss it. They need it back. It's a way of life. It's their way of life. Just follow the rules. Let's, Let's do it. Let's get back to normal. We could do it. Just don't be a dick. Follow the rules. Come on. We can do it, I know we can. And for you folks on the Northeast Coast, you could check out Andy live actually. Andy will be at the New York Comedy Club April 25th, the Gotham Comedy Club April 30th, and for my people in the Midwest, you could check out Andy live at Zany's Comedy Club in Chicago at the end of July. He'll be here July 30th through August 1st at Zany's Chicago. All right, I got all that stuff out of the way. You ready? Let's do it. This is me talking to comedian Andy Haynes. Mm well first off man thanks for doing this i uh, really appreciate it
1: yeah of course man thanks for having me
0: you bet man i uh you know i was telling the other comedians that i've been talking to um i've uh i've gotten into this kick i've watched almost every half hour that comedy central does um, and yours was freaking hilarious. There's some things that still apply to even now, like the broke bit, you're broke, not oh, because of the economy, but the pandemic, right? So there's these excuses that kind of, uh, can apply to, to me in my life, which is why I kind of wanted to talk to you. Um, obviously a much different person than uh, you were, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really appreciative that you're doing this. How have you been? How have you been doing?
1: I'm good, man. I, uh, you know, it's been a long year. Yeah, uh, it's been um, interesting, but it's like kind of feels like things are coming back out. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm like getting used to it again. It's, yeah, I'm just kind of like taking it as it comes. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, you you had some exciting things happen to you, right? You got uh, you got uh, married, right?
1: I got married. Yeah. yeah, I secured. You secured. I secured it. a woman. Secured a
0: woman. All right, you think this one's the this is it, obviously, right? No more after her. Right, huh? this is it. I hope not. <laughs> I,
1: I, you know, I'm a, I've burned all my bridges in the comedy community. If nah, so, no. Uh, yeah, no, this is um, a much different relationship. I was I don't have any hard feelings towards my ex wife. We're sure. friendly, um, but uh, you know, I, it wasn't a good fit. I was young. I was a stoner. I, you know, I just, just really kind of didn't think things through. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: That's good. Yeah, you also uh that kind of that kind of went down all too quick. I mean, how long were you and uh Rosebud? I mean, were you guys friends for a while? I know she did a half hour too. I mean, how did you guys kind of you know, really start getting, you know, to know each other better and start dating?
1: Well, she had been with a friend of mine mm. for a while and I'd I'd met her through their gotcha. Through their friend relationship. And mm. then they split up and um, you know, I I had we were friends. Uh we're both sober, so we kinda had that, but we mm. didn't really hang out until we had a mutual friend, Gavin Matz, had invited us out both to dinner and then we became more like Closer friends started Mm -hmm. hanging out regularly and then uh, we went to this wedding and um, you know, it's like very cliche, but we just kind of like fell in love that night. And then the rest is history. We just uh, dated for, I think, six months and then got engaged.
0: Wow. So like you knew, like you didn't, you don't want to wait around anymore like this. Are we doing this? Are we not doing this? Let me know now because I don't want to waste any time.
1: Well, it was the third day of quarantine and I was, uh, you know, I was like, I, I need to make sure that this is like for the end of the world. Right, right? I have to yeah. have a wife. So it's perfect.
0: It's great. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. That's that's really neat. And uh, you guys, you've been doing a podcast together, right?
1: Yeah. Since the beginning, we've been doing this podcast mm-hmm. called Find Your Beach. Right. Started, uh, started at a qu- the, the the first day of quarantine and then it just kind of became an animal unto itself. It, yeah. it used to be very specifically about the pandemic, and now it's
0: just kind of about our relationship. It's evolved, and, yeah. Things have changed. Yeah. Well, that that's great. I uh, that that's really awesome. It's a it's a cool story. I've been following along with it. It's almost like a. It's it's got everything for a movie, right? It's definitely got some movie movie potential there. I think.
1: Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. I think we 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 want a reality show. We yeah. want to we want to get like the Kim Kardashian deal. You know. <laughs>
0: Oh boy. But that'd be more enjoyable than uh than them. But uh yeah, man, you've had a <laughs> yeah, you you've had a, a journey that that's for sure. Um uh I want to start with uh the the whole religion thing and uh majoring in that. That was that was true. Was that real or was that just for, yeah, for the yeah. stage? I
1: uh I I went to this college where I, you could like design your own major. Mm-hmm. Um what you could kind of just make it up. And there was like a lot of just basically like hippies and, you know, people that didn't really want to work very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were, you know, there was really good faculty. Anyways, I took a bunch of classes with this one teacher who was a religious studies teacher. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up creating like a, a a major that was kind of like, that was like in that, just basically I'd taken so many classes with him. I kind of had a religion minor already. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, I'd also done like a bunch of like film stuff. Oh, nice. So I knew I wanted to go to film school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started comedy and it kind of ruined all those dreams. Cause I was like, um, I was going to go and be like a academic. That was my oh, plan. Oh
0: Gosh. All right.
1: Before I started comedy, I was mm. going to go and like teach college and, uh, Big pivot. It, yeah. I mean, it was just like the second I got on stage, I was like, Oh, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So that's crazy. The rest is
0: history. Yeah. That, that, that's awesome. Yeah. It, so is, was it really the first time you got on stage? Because I, I did, you know, I've been putting it off for a while. I finally did my first one, uh, stand-up open mic the other night. It was up there a little long. It was like 10 minutes, actually, because there was only like five oh, people who hard. went. It, but it was it was, uh, it was was hard, but I did it. So now it's like you want to get back up again. Because it's like, uh, you know, I've been on stage. I do open mics or music all the time. And it it was, it brought me back to that first time of that. And then after the first time, it's just, you want to, you just wanting to get back up. So I got that part out of the way, but was it really the first time for you that you knew this is what you were going to do though?
1: I mean, I think I'd been, I'd been really like wanting an outlet Mm, like my whole life and I'd never committed to anything. So Mm. like I wanted to do drama in high school but I'd never like joined the drama club or whatever Mm. audition for a play. Mm -hmm. And I'd played a little bit of music. I played alto sax until I was like 15, but that got too competitive. And so I kind of gave that up. Um, But I've been like a summer camp counselor Mm. and there was like a lot of getting on stage for that, like running campfires and things like that, coming up with sketches. And I, I knew it was just like in the air. I was like, I knew I wanted to do something. And then I watched a Bill Hicks DVD and I was like, oh, stand up. And then I went to an open mic and everybody kind of sucked. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's great because I can. I if, could do if, this if this is what Yeah, if is. everybody sucks, <laughs> I can suck. And then it was just like the next time I got on stage, I, I don't even really remember it. I don't remember what I talked about. I think I actually have it on tape somewhere.
0: Oh, that's got to be hard to watch.
1: I, you know I, I don't think i've ever looked back at it but um yeah it was just like i i just never thought about it again i just kept going wow
0: interesting so b- before that um you said you just wanted to be in, in like you know the arts or stuff like that i mean was there anybody in your family growing up i mean what was your family like did you have any brothers and sisters what were they into were they into this the same type of uh, artsy type of fields that uh, you were trying to venture off into
1: no, no. Really? Uh, my mom is a nurse. She's always been a nurse. I mean, she was creative in the sense that like she's into the arts mm-hmm. and she took me to a ton of movies and that was always like kind of things we did. We always watched movies mm-hmm. and, um, you know, she like supported anything I wanted to do, but That's it good. was not like something she did. Mm. And then my dad is like a complete, like, he doesn't. He's never done anything like that. My dad is like a, he's a former executive at an insurance company. Oh, wow. So he just is like, he's, he's,
0: he's detached. I say this
1: lovingly. He's like one of the most boring people in the world in the sense of like what he likes to do. He likes to go to like PF Chang's and watch primetime television. That is like his, his dream come true. He, you
0: know. Yeah. Very programmed way of life.
1: Yeah, he's he's not very uh adventurous adventuresome. So
0: hmm. th-
1: they've been so supportive and I think my dad like was so supportive of stand up because it was like something that he, he never had the opportunity to do. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and so he was like stoked that I do stand up. And oh. when I get to act or any of those kind of jobs, he's really excited for me. But um yeah, it's it's weird. I I think my uncle was somewhat of an influence cuz he hmm. was always like a he was always telling stories and kind of like commanding holiday dinners. Ah. He's like kind of a flamboyant gay guy. (laughs) And he would like kind of tell these like dirty jokes over like Thanksgiving dinner and stuff. Um, But he was, he also didn't do it in any context other than socially. Right. Um, So, and my sister, who's my I have, I have other siblings. I have a stepbrother and a foster sister. Mm. But my sister, my biological sister, who I spent the most time with, she's like a political activist Ooh. or was. And then she became like a therapist. So, you know, it's... I kind of went on... You know, it was just like a lifetime of being a smartass. And that was like what brought it on.
0: No, that's that, That's great. So when did you... I take it the, the Seattle comedy scene. I mean, they've they've really... they they boomed like there's they were they had this moment you know like grunge so you started there but the comedy scene up in in seattle where where you started out with i mean who was coming up at that time when you started to cut your teeth what was the scene like
1: it was actually kind of weird it was like it's a great town for comedy audiences Mm -hmm. but it's it's very isolated um so like we'd get a lot of the alt comics that came through there. Mm. It was always like friendly waters. Um, for like, you know, David Cross and Patton Oswald and those kind of people. Sure. Um, but the guys that came out of there, it's it's almost like they like stopped through like to spend a little bit of time. Like um, Rory Scoville was there for oh, a yeah, bit. Yeah, he's great. Jeff Dye started there. Mm. Um Hari Kondabolu kind of like goes there to work out material um I'm trying to think of like i'm I'm definitely like forgetting some very there's a guy Adam Ray out of l a oh, okay. that's from Seattle, yeah. but he's Nick Thune's from Seattle too um but it was kind of like people were just in and out because when I started the like the main goal in Seattle was to like, get on the road, sure yeah it wasn't like it wasn't like to go and like go to Hollywood and get an agent mm. or start you know like sell a tv show nobody had any kind of like hollywood aspirations it was it wasn't even new york it was just like go and do gigs and so like a lot of the guys were kind of like road comics mm-hmm. like that's who i like first kind of like met as i was coming up was like these guys that would go out and they would like play like bars in like idaho and eastern washington and things like that so it, it was good in a way but it was also like i knew i had to get out of there sure. if i ever wanted to do anything right you so, know.
0: so it was it was uh, you'd view it as basically a launching pad like okay this is the platform where am i going to go from here that was the that was kind of like the the origin for you and then you had options of where you're going to go new york chicago la something like that
1: yeah and I think now with the internet, if I did more internet stuff, sure. like if I wrote more sketches or, you know, the podcast is great, but like yeah. if my career was very focused on the internet, um, y- you can be anywhere. You yeah. know, you could, you could be anywhere. But, but at that time, you know, when I started, there wasn't podcasts. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of YouTube stuff. You know, it was just like very, very uh, live performance and, you know, TV shows. So right. like we didn't, also, like kids know everything now. Yeah. Like when somebody starts stand up, they can listen <laughs> to a podcast and they can like hear every step of the stand up process. Right, yeah. When I started, it was just like there was a few interviews out there, and I mean, they were like on CD. You yeah. know, like I can remember, I can remember um, like illegally downloading a Jerry Seinfeld interview. Oh, we've all
0: done it, I think. Right? Come on. Yeah.
1: It's easy. So. So now you can just go on whatever. Sure. You know, there's like a yeah. hundred platforms. But like YouTube wasn't even a thing yet. No. So it wasn't like no. I could like Google like Louis CK talks about how he started or, you know, Dave Chappelle, you know, talks about his first time going to Montreal, mm-hmm. or whatever. Right.
0: Now, just for context purposes, what year, what's, what time is it right now as you, as you're referencing right now talking about like what time period, what years? It started are, in um, like December of... Two thousand four. Oh, okay. That was a big comedy scene over here at that time in Chicago. That was Bragazzi was coming out. Oh, yeah. Hannibal. I mean that 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 year that that early two thousands era is is a documentary needing to be told in itself.
1: Yeah, I mean Chicago, like talk about like a talent pool. You guys had so many homes. You had Camille. You had Hannibal. Mm-hmm. You had Kyle canane Matt bronger I mean, just so many people. Yeah.
0: That's good. So when did you, uh, after a while, when did you start getting on the road then and uh, trying to work it out in different cities? Well,
1: mm-hmm. when I started, I lived actually like 90 miles North of Seattle. And Ooh. so I would like drive down and do an open mic in Seattle. And then I would go to Vancouver sometimes ah, too in okay. Canada. Cause it was still pretty easy, easy to, to get in. Know, yeah. Was, yeah. You could just go up there for the night. I mean, it was 60 miles away. Uh-huh. And then, um, I, 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 you know, I just did gigs around Seattle and stuff like bar sure. shows yeah. and then I went to visit my dad in DC. He lives okay. outside of DC. Oh, all right. yeah. And when I went to visit, I stayed for two years
0: and um, visit.
1: that's kind of like where I really cut yeah. my teeth.
0: Yeah. So you would say um, DC, New York metropolitan area. That's where it really started.
1: Yeah, it was like I went to I went to DC for 2 years and then I came back to Seattle for a year and then I moved to New York. And once I moved to New York is when I really started. Like I did a handful, like I'd go up to do Vancouver or I'd go to Portland or maybe Eastern Washington. Right. But when I moved to New York is when I started kind of like playing the whole country. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, that's uh yeah. I mean that's a tough really just place to start. Future. Yeah. I mean, that's a uh, New York at the even even now. I mean, that's New York is tough even for open mics from what I understand I mean it's not it's not a it's people going there are expecting comedy they're not going there for a drink and some food to leave they're going there for the sole purpose of 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 whatever's being hosted like comedy um, even if it's a bar or restaurant they're going there for that it, it's a little bit different you know you can do an open mic at a place have a drink eat something and be like oh there's a comedy open mic and then you stay New York had to be tough.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was lucky to come up with like a lot of really great people. Like when I was in open mic in New York, it was like Mark Norman, oh, Sam Morrell and Mike Racine and Mike Lawrence. And uh, I feel like I haven't referenced one female comic. I feel kind of like a dick, but yeah. there's, <laughs> there was a lot of really funny ladies too. I'm just like being an asshole right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was lucky because there was kind of like this group of, there was like a social group built mm-hmm. in and that's all we did you know we just everybody ran from open mic to open mic and eventually once you would kind of like proven yourself you started to get asked to do bar shows yeah. and then once you kind of proven yourself you'd get asked to do like independent produced shows at clubs and i i remember like right around the first time well right around my first uh go at new york mm-hmm. like Right before I moved to LA, I, I got passed at Caroline's and that oh, was okay. kind of like that's a big a, deal that's for me. a big me. deal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I moved to LA and I was there for six years and I kind of did the like TV writer. Mm. I acted a little, but like, I don't know, like two commercials and a couple TV shows. Sure. And then it was, and then I moved back to New York and I've been right. here for, I think, 2 years yeah
0: two years, wow. so uh, the move to la was it was it just for the perspective possibility of trying to get get a couple little acting credits or was it was it something that you tried to see if you know the career would work out there and then you said eh i gave it 2 years let's go back home
1: well no it was it was cuz people had already moved to
0: la oh, gotcha, and
1: okay. i would go out there to visit mm-hmm. you know or like occasionally have like a meeting or something mm-hmm. there some reason to be in LA. And when I'd be out there, my friends would have these like big apartments in like nice neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and they would pay like a thousand dollars less a a month. Oh, wow. And then on top of that, they could like go to the beach or go to the mountains, like a really outdoorsy guy. Mm -hmm. And then there was jobs that, you know, like New York still there's maybe I don't know, 10 writers rooms in New York City. Mm. There might be more, but they're like really competitive. Sure. Like it's just not a world that I've ever been able to break into, the New York writers world. Mm. There's like other writing jobs like in advertising and things like that, sure, but yeah. like TV writing it's a, it's a really competitive market here. So, in LA, that's like, you know, you could get a I wrote for ridiculousness oh, for a yeah, long time. That's
0: a good, I, I like that show.
1: Yeah. And I wrote for like a bunch of other like silly shows that were just, you know, just dumb, easy jobs, but you could have this good life, you know, and I never, you couldn't have that in New York. In New York for the same amount of money, you had to have some kind of side job and you had to live in the hood and it was hard, you know, the fucking winters here, you you know, Chicago, it's like the same thing. It's It's
0: supposed to snow Tuesday. I golfed yesterday. That's how it is here. (laughs)
1: Jesus. Yeah, it's supposed to. It's. It was like 45 degrees last night or the night before, and then it's supposed to be 75 tomorrow. So, yeah, it's, crazy. It's,
0: it's crazy. It's the
1: end of the world,
0: but it's okay. Probably, yeah. It's. Uh, I don't think there's much time left. But you know what? The funny thing is, this little sidebar. I think uh, I listened to an interview not too long ago that uh, Tim Allen did with Mark Marin and he kind of touched on a point that's kind of relative to what you just said it's uh when he he was in a class when he was younger the teacher's going through everything and it's like so stars are only like x amount of billion years old and he asked so like since the sun is a star that's she goes yes that that has an end point and he's like so that's it like that's it like nobody's talking about this like it's all going to be over. I know it's not going to happen tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now, but it's, it's going to be over soon. How is this not the topic of conversation? Like the, the <laughs> existence is, is not, is not forever, you know? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, I don't
1: think, uh, I think I like purposely ignore like space, you yeah. know, just cause it's like, cause it's so absurd that like we are this like, like we've never communicated with another planet or another species. Mm -hmm. It's very bizarre that this is like the one nice place to live. Like we go up into space and we just see a bunch of like cold rocks and then we like come back down and we're like, yep, it's just us. It's just, it's very bizarre. So when you think about the idea that like probably somewhere out there just, you know, in an unfathomable distance is another society or, Kind of like intelligence or something like that, and it's beyond our ideas of sure, comprehension. Yeah. And the fact that this is just one, like little dot. It's, it's like I can't even wrap my head around it. No, it I makes can't. me feel anxious.
0: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I, I hear you on that. So when uh, did you did you get your get up at uh, the comedy store when you're out in LA, or did you uh, not touch that yeah, until later? That was, later?
1: Like, that, was uh, that was like my first kind of home in la Mm. it was like uh like and it wasn't right away it was like maybe i want to say two and a half years into moving to la um i eventually like
0: so it's towards the latter end of time out there right well i I was there for six
1: years six years i was in la for six years Mm. so i uh i was writing on a tv show called ground floor Mm. and we shared offices with um this show called Undateable and Undateable had like Chris D'Elia and Brent Morin and Ron Funches, Rick Glassman. And because those guys were all at the comedy store, Mm -hmm. I would be like, Oh, I'm going to come watch you guys tonight. And eventually, you know, like two of them were like, Hey, they went the old booker, this guy, Tommy, who was like, this is fucking (laughs) classic character. You know, he would like sit in the booth and just stoned and just kind of like ramble. But he he had a look at me and he passed me and that oh, was like wow. 2014. And, uh, and then I was in and I really lucked out because like Tommy left maybe eight months to a year after I got there. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a, a very different way to get in. You had to really... Yeah, the former booker between Tommy and whoever's booking now was this guy, Adam Egit, mm. And he just, you know, he like turned the club around. I mean, I used to go up at the comedy store. And when I first went up there, my very first time on stage at the comedy mm-hmm. store, this is like a year before I actually auditioned. My friend Fahim Anwar, who's actually also from Seattle, I should bring up him because he's like one of my favorite comics in the world. Um, but he... Uh, he brought me down to do a set. Mm-hmm. And there was literally zero audience. Oh, there was wow. nobody in the room. And Fahim goes, okay, you're on. And I was like, but what do you mean? Like, there's nobody here. And he's like, yeah, we don't, we don't stop until like one 30 in the morning. So just go up there. Holy cow. So I just did comedy for nobody. And then I was like, oh, this is not I, I didn't go back for like a year and a half or something mm-hmm. like that. Cause I was like, this is absurd. Yeah. But now that place is sold out. I mean, not right now, but before the pandemic, sure, that yeah, place, yeah. every single room was sold out every night. Yeah.
0: No, it's crazy. Yeah. I've talked to some other people who've different comics who've, who've gone through there and they've all said that they've gone in waves, like uh, open mics before they, you could, you could, it was easier to sign up. Now it's like, Next to impossible to sign up. And I don't know what, why that is. Is it because of uh, you know things like YouTube and social media for uh, generating and uh, getting everybody basically um, the opportunity to try things, right? YouTube's been a huge portal for uh, internet comedians. So I feel like now there's this bigger pool of people who are trying trying their you know opportunity act comedy to where now you have to draw that line to make now something that was so accessible now next to impossible to, to achieve. Do you see that with, with how things have been?
1: Well, I think like the internet just makes things like available, even in the sense of like, just like intellectually, right? Like yeah. when I was a kid, the only reason I s- thought to do standup was because there was a DVD on a video shelf at a video store and I luckily watched that right but until then I had never thought to do comedy mm-hmm. I never thought it and then even when I did stand up everything that happened in stand up was like uh, like a revelation to me mm-hmm. like somebody would say hey do you want to audition for SNL and I would go you can do that like I didn't know you could do that <laughs> And other people, you know, they know because they like, especially like where you are, Chicago, it's like everybody goes to like Second City or whatever the improv theater is. And there's like alumni and they kind of come back and forth. There was none of that. Everything I learned by somebody like coming back and being like, this is how you do that. But now it's like you can see people on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, whatever it is, Twitter and you can kind of see their trajectory. They're sure. also accessible mm-hmm. so you can talk to them. And it's also like they make money doing this thing. It's almost like crypto where it's like, it's like democratized it because like to be a stand up, you either have to be a dirt bag or have like your parents support you at first, or you have to like have a lot of drive yeah. to be able to like support both like a lifestyle and this dream. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now it's just like you can see a kid, he's like kind of funny, but he's good at what he does. And he just goes on whatever social media platform is his ideal. Yeah. And then he just he just fucking does it. Yeah. He just uh and he also makes a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like there's like
0: TikTok oh, that stars that make like kind of.
1: Oh yeah, I fucking hate them. Yeah. But I, I it. also it it's like, you know, old man getting mad at like a wind tower. Yeah, you can't you know? change it. Yeah. Yeah crazy but also the the nice thing is is that no matter how funny these people are on social media it very rarely translates to stand-up sure you know?
0: yeah well it's t- correct but i think there's there's different parts of it that obviously are comedic and that's the thing that it's just w- what would you classify that as i mean i don't even know what you call it like internet comedy it's just, it's just internet comedy yeah yeah it's great i
1: mean i really i think it's like it's weird because like i hate a lot of aspects about the internet like i hate that there's people who are really unfunny that get really successful just because they're good at marketing Mm -hmm. but at the same time like i think like memes are some of the funniest things on the internet you know Oh yeah of course so it's like it's a very there's like all this there's a kind of like a wide berth of things. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you can't categorize internet comedy as one thing. And there's also like a lot of people that are fucking hilarious. Oh yeah. You know, like they're just, they're so good at what they do. And I think if you do what you do with integrity Mm -hmm. and you do, and you like approach it with like, you know, respect. Sure. Yeah. You can, you know, like, I just think there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who like, hear about these like YouTube stars. Mm hmm. And they'll like sell out a comedy club, and then people will go to see them. And I think that people are completely fine with what those people do at the comedy club, right? But it's not comedy, you know. They maybe tell stories. They maybe like have some like Q and A or something like that. They're probably funny, outgoing people, but like they're not going to do stand up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, they, they're. That takes time and you have to learn that. That's like a completely different thing.
0: Right. And there's, that's a couple like people if you were, like in like Practical Jokers, I mean, there's some of Sal's a comedian, but w- would you kind of gear the, and uh, what you just said sort of to that type of thing? Is that what you're trying to say? Like these could be practical, funny people, but put them up on a stage, but you may not consider it fully, fully stand up. It is co- it is comedic in too many different ways, but it, you wouldn't consider that. Stand up, obviously, correct.
1: Well, I think the impractical jokers, they all come from a background sure, yeah. of of stand up or improv. They were like an improv team yeah, and obviously yeah. Sal did stand up for years. Yeah. So they, they kind of like cut their teeth before they got successful mm. like that. But I don't think Logan Paul is gonna get on stage no. and do comedy. No. You know, I I don't think that's gonna happen.
0: Right. Well see Podcast made this made is also to not to, I don't know if you'd say to blame, but to Yeah, maybe you could say that you could kind of pinpoint that as something, too, that's launched careers of people that, (laughs) you know, uh, they may not be funny, but marketing and, you know, finding a team that could assemble something um, that's attractable and listenable to that. That's been a huge, huge push, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I don't I think podcasts are kind of they have a little bit more integrity
0: sure how so you got
1: to be entertaining
0: yeah yeah I guess.
1: you know like and it's also like most of the time it takes a little bit of time you mm-hmm. know it's like if some kid's just handsome and he's like kind of clever and he does like 15 second videos that's not really you know that i i don't i mean i respect it in a sense like hey good for you right but at the same time like i don't want to do
0: that yeah no i got gotcha. you that's good. So when uh, when you did your half hour, by the way, that you was that um, was that after um, being in L.A. and then coming back to New York or did uh, L.A. come after that half hour?
1: Uh, I, I'd been in L.A. for a year. Oh, okay, that was okay. 2013. Yeah, That's yeah, actually. Yeah, it's like eight years ago now. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I in 2012, I did Conan and that was my first year in L.A. Yeah. And then like six months later, I did my half hour.
0: Mm, gotcha.
1: And um, that was kind of like... That opened up a lot of stuff. I got like good writing jobs mm. and a lot more tour dates. Sure. Yeah. And cool. then I actually... You know, I, I chased the TV writing thing for so long mm-hmm. that that's actually what brought me back to New York because I'd just been trying to get writing and entertainment jobs, but I, I hadn't really been focusing on stand-up and I wasn't, I wasn't having fun doing stand-up. Really? I didn't feel... I mean, I just... I wasn't... Stand-up is kind of this like... It's almost like a hobby in LA. There's some amazing stand-ups and there's some guys that would completely argue with me on this. Sure. People go out there to work in entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know? And then they're on a TV show or they write for a TV show or they have a podcast and then everything's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, they're making tons of money and then they can go to the comedy store and fuck around that night or they can go to the comedy and magic and Hermosa beach or whatever their club is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's more like a, it's almost like podcasting in a sense. Cause they're like just being themselves on stage. Right. A lot of the people are just kind of, they don't really like, you don't see a ton of writing in LA,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even TV writers, you know? Um, but I just, I don't know. I guess it was just like, I'd kind of, I'd gotten depressed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I didn't, feel the same kind of like affinity for stand up. I also just I wasn't inspired and then I just went to visit New York on a whim. I was actually thinking about moving back to Seattle for a while. Oh wow. Um but when I went back to New York, it was like the New York just opened its arms to me and all of a sudden I was just like doing stand up like for this one week that I'd been back. I was doing stand-up every night, multiple times a night. I was like turning over material. I was hanging out with old friends. And I'll tell you that this is like one of the biggest differences is when I had been back in New York for, I don't know, four months, Mm -hmm. five months, I went back to visit LA and I was like talking to a friend and there was this girl there. And this girl was obviously, it was at the comedy store in the parking lot and this girl was like, obviously friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Andy. Are you a comic? And she was like, I'm an Instagram comic. Mm. And I realized at that moment, I had not thought about Instagram comedy for that whole time that I'd been gone. Like it had left my mind, the right. idea that I needed. So that's like what New York did for me. It just brought me back to a place where like, it was about doing stand-up at night. I could do all these other things, but it was really about like... Getting past at the cellar, getting on stage multiple times a night, trying to get late night sets, trying to like put out albums mm. and do the road, you know, it's great. get back into that place. You know, like comedy's I think comedy kind of has, it's a very pretentious thing to say, but like, it's like jazz in the sense that you like, there's an integrity to it sure, yeah. and a commitment. You can't, you can't fake it. You can't cheat it. Yeah. Some people have a natural talent and a natural intellect, but you really have to put in that time, mm-hmm. and you also need to be around it. You know. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I get you.
1: So that was that was going back to New York for me. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sure I'm sure uh, Father helped helped kind of usher along a little bit more added maybe motivation or inspiration, given the fact that you know he was programmed. He watched primetime television. Well, what's on primetime television? usually talk shows, late night. Was there any, was there any uh, influence or uh, kind of motivation ushered along through him to kind of motivate you to pursue and, uh, you know, kind of chase after those writing and, you know, talk show opportunities?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because my dad, when I say he watches primetime, he watches like The Amazing Race. He watches like <laughs> He watches bad television, and I, I never, I never lived with my dad after age five. Mm. So it, it was really my mom, and my mom and me would like sit and watch TV at night mm-hmm. in her bed before we all like fell asleep. But I had a little TV in my room, yeah. And every night, you know, this is from like age eight, mm-hmm. I would stay up and I would watch Married with Children, and then I would watch Letterman and Letterman was like my thing. Like mm. I I loved I loved Letterman and I loved SNL and I would just sit there and watch that. I mean I, the TV was like this big and it was at the foot of my bed but I slept with my face. I mean I I probably like have I'm going to get brain cancer someday oh cuz I would like be watching it from like 6 inches away. Mm. But I love Letterman still to this day. I think he's the best the greatest TV oh, uh, great. late night late night host of all time. Yeah. Um there mm. was like there's something lost that we don't really have anymore, which was that like, um, late night hosts used to like have intellectuals on. They used to have like characters, you know? Sure. Yeah. I like Jimmy Fallon. I think he's a funny guy, Mm -hmm. but it's rare for him to have a guest that like really like challenges, the you know, the kind of norm on there. Like, you know, he's really, he's having fun and it's safe. (laughs)
0: Right. Well, he's also working with what's out there, too. I mean, we kind of it's a different time period, too. Right. The Internet's created back to like what we talked about, created uh, so many different people, created so many different uh, things. So it's like this is what what's available to work with, too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, so then if you're a big fan of that that uh, you know, late night and stuff like that, what's your take on it now? I mean, uh really since I think after the Trump roast on Comedy Central, I think that was 2011, I think even then there was a a, a shift. Like there's this transition of political influence and literally every single late night show's monologue from then until now and it, there's no signs of of that fading away do you think that has has that changed your your uh, view on on late night uh, as a whole now everything is politics i mean it's it's aggravating i talked to jared logan a couple weeks ago um and he kind of said that's kind of he he got out of it a lot of it had to do with that because every night he was writing stuff about trump after a while like, it gets old for you has that changed your your view Uh, on it uh, as a whole.
1: Late night or comedy? Uh,
0: Late night. Well, late night, like the the monologues, the sketches, uh, everything is politically, uh, you know, uh, juiced. Everything uh, revolves around that now. It's changed. I mean, I like
1: some of the guys. Like, I think Kimmel has his moments. And I think Colbert has his moments. And when I did the James Corden show... I I thought he was like a really entertaining, funny person. Mm -hmm. I don't really watch late night in the same way that I used to, just because you kind of wait until something goes viral and then you see it on the internet. Mm. But I would really say that I just think like socially we've gotten so safe. Yeah. And also like, It's just so commodified, right? Like, it's like, we don't see ugly people anymore. We don't see freaks. We don't see, like, losers and, you know, maniacs. Like, everybody's beautiful and doing great and they're politically correct. And, you know, it's like, I don't have any problem with political correctness in the sense that, like, yeah, we probably shouldn't, like, uh, co-opt people that do bad things. Sure, yeah. And we probably also shouldn't hurt people's feelings. Right as a society, we should have some compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like the things I love are the 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 faults in people, you know? The like the 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 worst impulses, the addiction, the, you know, awkwardness. Yeah. And like, you know, me and my wife like joke a lot. My my wife is Rosebud Baker. Yeah. She's a really mm-hmm. amazing comic. But like her whole family's like conservative like very conservative Ooh. like they worked in the the bush white house mm-hmm. you know like her her granddad was like very active in republican politics he's considered like kind of an architect of the republican party in the really? 80s mm-hmm. and 90s and um you know the, the they're they're good old boys they're from texas you know and when we hang out with them we have a fucking great time sure yeah you know we like shoot guns and eat well and you know like hang out and have a good time and uh i don't agree with them politically at all sure, probably yeah, mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like i i like that they're kind of you know dastardly rascals and you know like and i want to i want to get into those kind of conversations with people and i also you know like my friends that are like different than me the most fun we have is like being disrespectful roasting each other You're giving right. each other shit. <laughs> saying the most offensive thing. And, you know, that's not good for a college campus or a workplace. Right. But like, I'm a comic, so I'm yeah. going to try to make you laugh. Oh,
0: that's good. You know, you, you touched on a good point there. Um, I, I didn't know that about, um, obviously, Rosebud and her family. But um, you, you see that now, though, too. There's a lot of people who go through these, especially over the past year, with nobody doing, literally, anything because of the the pandemic i think you started to see people started to uh, show their true colors and voice you know their views and opinions on on you know everything and anything political um there's many people who can't segregate or separate um politics and family and friends um, from each other there's many people who once they find out so-and-so supports um you know candidate a or candidate B they're cut out of their life and being able to do what you're able to do and what I'm able to do. And I, I take pride in that is I think there's, um, there's this comfort uh, in being able to do that because you don't let that affect your way of life. And once you start to, I think you're just a miserable person.
1: Yeah. I mean the Trump thing really like it really changed things because sure. people kind of um, decided for the first time that, if you supported him, you know, you you were canceled, essentially. Yeah. And while I cannot understand what would lead somebody to support Trump. Yeah. I, I mean, not somebody like me. You know, like, I understand if you're from fucking another part of the country. And, you know, I, I don't really give a shit about nationalism or the military. Like, I'm, I'm happy those guys serve. And, sure. I, you know, thank you or whatever. But, like... You know, the American Empire is not something that like inspires me. And um but like I think it became the first time where we were like, if you do this, you are you are one side or the other. And while I i, I probably reacted in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. like I'm 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 no stranger to sensationalism. Um <laughs> it it became blinding, you know, like it was just like all of a sudden you were one way or the other. And I think it really drove people to To embrace that side Mm -hmm. a lot stronger. Right. You know, like people, people that normally would have been like, uh, I vote conservative, you know, all of a sudden they were like, I vote Trump and you can go fuck yourself. Right. It was just because they were being attacked for this thing. And, you know, like, I hated the Trump presidency. I hated a lot of the things he stood for. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not, I'm not a politician. Right. And I'm not, I don't know why we got so worked up let people vote yeah like i i hope i hope you don't yeah. but like you know like i also i shop at whole foods and yeah. i'm a, <laughs> kind of like a fucking urban snob yeah. and i can't relate to somebody who you know like is from fucking kansas sure or even the suburbs i
0: don't have that you know right no totally but well, that's that's that, that dead on dead on so um you, for you and Rosebud then do you find it um do you find this because i I've talked to other people who are married and do comedy is uh do you find it easier to to uh, exist and have uh, a marriage uh, the way in which you have because you know the lifestyle you know You know, the um, not so much last year because obviously you can't travel and do comedy, but moving forward, as everything does start to open up again, you know the schedule, right? You don't have to worry about, well, you're never home. You know, you're programmed into understanding that this is work, this is the way of life, this is how we function and do things. Do you think um, that is only going to help um, transform and uh, grow the, the relationship between you two because you have that same understanding? Um, you're on the same level playing field now, you know, she knows that's just what you do for work.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's great. I can't tell you how many times I dated somebody who wasn't in the comedy world and I would be like, all right, I'm leaving and it's 9 PM and they'd be like, what are you talking about? And I'd be like, I'm going to go do comedy and they'd be like, I don't want to go to bed by myself, you know? Um, and I was like, well, you are going (laughs) to go to bed by yourself. Um, that part is very easy. Yeah, There's other parts that are like, you know, we, we're we competitive and sure mm-hmm. Rosebud's like killing it, you know? And sometimes I have to be like, I have to like practice being happy for her, even though I want what she has, mm-hmm. you know? But all in all, like one thing that's great is we just, we're very open, you know, like we've, we talk about everything.
0: That's and good. And
1: mm-hmm. if something's irking me, she, can kind of tell and we'll have a talk about it. But, you know, it's like, that's like a thing that is really nice is I think we're both really happy for each other. And when somebody gets something that the other one wants, mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we act like assholes and we, you know, we get jealous. And yeah. We can forgive each other for that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's like the most ideal thing. It's like I have a, a wife that is sober and funny and does the same thing as me you know it's it's we keep the same schedule we have the same kind of like that's nice and also yeah. she's she's she can feature for me or i can feature for her so mm-hmm. we can always go on the road that's you know? nice and, yeah and, i never looked at yeah, it that travel way. together and
0: stuff yeah that's pretty good yeah well you you mentioned uh sober yeah she she's had uh she's had a crazy life she's uh she's <laughs> And uh, so have you. I mean, you guys, the interesting to see the, her story, your story, you guys both meet. I feel like, I, uh, like I said at the beginning, it's definitely a movie, and uh, I'm, I'm happy for you. I mean, there was a lot of people at the start of the pandemic. You saw, I think, uh, Taylor Tomlinson, her and Sam Morell were, were together for a bit. I mean, a lot of people, you know, you see relationships tested and tried over the pandemic. I talked to one comedian, um, Kane Holloway. He was with Kelsey Cook pandemic you know things things happen right you you, when you put two people together um, and you literally can't do anything because there's a play going on outside things get tested and tried and sometimes you figure out that maybe things aren't you know as great a, as we thought but uh, for you guys it sounded like it's great everything worked down I'm happy for you guys man
1: yeah thank you man we really uh, I think we uh, were able to weather it in the yeah. a- unique way we'll see what happens you know like uh the second pandemic or whatever you know <laughs> no World more, War III, no more, whatever no it is <laughs> yeah
0: but uh that's good you got shows you're doing shows you got um you got any coming up i'm around new york for the rest of the month and then i'll be um i'll be in
1: minneapolis actually with rosebud she's headlining at the house of comedy oh, the uh, first weekend of may and then um, I'll be out in Chicago actually at the end of July. So the like th- the thirtieth of July I'll be at Zany's.
0: No way, uh, Chicago Rosemont one. Chicago. I'll be there then. I was just I saw Palisac uh, last week. He was so great, Michael Palisac. Oh, he's so
1: funny, man. Yeah, it was Such great. A great. Joke writer. For,
0: first time to see live comedy during all of this, but it was great. I felt I felt good. Um, oh, it was so good to see it see it live. It's it's definitely you realize um, how much it means to you just to see live entertainment because i have a, i had a part-time job i did i worked at a, a live theater so i would work with artists like buddy guy kenny wayne shepherd Jimmy Vaughn uh, america oh, cool. the band and stuff like that so we've been shuttered since march of last year but uh just to get out and and the thrill the hype of seeing live entertainment was it was insane so it's exciting i'll be there yeah, then. Yeah. i will be there when when you come here but andy i uh, appreciate you doing this man i really do
1: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate
0: it. Look forward to meeting you in person. You betcha, man. Take care of yourself. All right, man. All right. Bye. There you have it, folks. That was me, comedian Andy Haynes. If you're new to the show, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed that conversation between me and Andy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, you can tune in to this one. For you folks on the Northeast Coast, you can check out Andy Haynes Live. Andy will be at the New York Comedy Club on April 25th and at the Gotham Comedy Club April 30th. And for my people in the Midwest, you can check out Andy Live at Zaney's Comedy Club in Chicago at the end of July. He'll be here July 30th through August 1st. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next time here on the Christian Hansen Show. Till then, stay safe and be well.